This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Coast Fire is the financial freedom that our family wanted and needed. We no longer have to worry about saving for retirement, and that is a beautiful thing. Instead, we can focus on designing a lifestyle that suits us right now. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, I'll be sharing why I believe Coast Fire is better than traditional fire for our family, and honestly, more realistic for most people. Second, I'm sharing some quick interviews that I did with a group of attendees at Economy. This is a conference where people in the the financial independence community come together to hang out, to meet, and to have excellent conversations. Recently attended there in Cincinnati, drove down in my car, and connected with some great folks. It was cool. And then last but not least, my son Calvin's going to be joining me for another good word with all the not-so-great news out there, everybody. Calvin and I are all about sharing the good news. All right, let's jump into today's show. When people want more time with their kids and they're looking to unlock more freedom, they often turn to financial independence. You've probably heard of the traditional FIRE movement, probably a lot on the show and then out in the media as well. Today, I want to talk about something that might even be better and that is Coast Fire. While I embraced the early retirement movement initially, we've settled on something a little different for our family. Coast Fire still offers the financial independence we craved. It's also allowing us to enjoy ourselves more fully now. Here's why Coast Fire is better than traditional fire, at least for our family. First of all, let's talk about what is Coast Fire. Coast Fire is a type of financial independence. It's the point when you've saved enough in your retirement accounts that you can coast into retirement. You don't have to make any more contributions to your account if you don't choose to. Instead, you can let time and compound interest do their magic. That means once you hit your Coast Fire number, you only have to cover your current life expenses. You no longer have to put aside any money for retirement. So that means that Coast Fire gives you the opportunity to tackle other financial goals, grow your wealth in other ways, or downshift into something else that fits your lifestyle better. Maybe that's part-time work, or perhaps it's starting your own small business, becoming an entrepreneur, or maybe it's a different type of work that feels more fulfilling with less of a focus on pulling in a big income or clocking a ton of hours. Coast Fire spells flexibility and freedom. Now, if you want to take a deeper dive into Coast Fire, I have a series of episodes on this podcast that you can learn from. And my favorite ones, everybody, are the real interviews with the real people who have achieved Coast Fire in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. You can find those amongst the episodes we have on your favorite podcast player. Now, Let's talk about why we like Coast Fire more than traditional fire. Most people stumble onto the concept of fire and financial independence when they're looking for more freedom. 
maybe they're spending too many hours away from their kids at work or they come home just feeling burnt out or just feeling like they lack some freedom in their life. That's not unlike where I was when I discovered fire. I had a job that I was not thrilled about. I was away from my family more than I liked and fire felt like a way out for me. Depending on your income, traditional fire, it requires an intensity that can feel extreme. And for a while, I was motivated to get there as fast as I could, no matter the cost, saving and investing 50% of our income or more for years. It was financially effective for sure, but that did cause a lot more money fights in my marriage. My wife and I had some major disagreements on how much we were saving versus how much we were enjoying our lives today. Ultimately, through time, a little marriage counseling, and some marital compromise, I realized that changing career paths could make a major impact on my happiness instead of bursting my way to fire. So that's what I did. And my wife did as well. With a paid off mortgage and a bunch of FU money, we both transitioned out of careers we didn't enjoy. It required us to drop our income significantly, but since we were saving and investing so much of that income, it really wasn't that difficult. Today, we work part-time in our jobs, which we actually do enjoy. Nicole is a part-time esthetician, and I do this business part-time as well. Our happiness levels have increased dramatically. And now that desire for fire has faded considerably. Retire early? For what? We like what we do. Retire from what? To do what? But even with that realization, there was still one financial to-do that loomed the largest. That was taking care of our retirement in our 60s and beyond when we maybe couldn't work anymore or really didn't have the energy to work anymore. With all the fire-motivated investing that we were doing up until that point, we realized that we had already achieved Coast Fire at 40 years old with $550,000 stocked away in our tax-advantaged retirement accounts. Coast Fire offers that security that I was looking for with the added bonus of ticking a task off of your to-do list. I have this thing in my brain where I like to sequentially do things and I feel like it's checked off the box and I did it and I can move on. That's what Coast Fire brought for me. Ultimately, becoming Coast Fire allows us to use money as a tool to reduce stress and anxiety. And saving 50% of our income, it was causing stress instead of reducing it for our family. So Coast Fire felt like a healthy compromise for our family. We unlocked more freedom within our budget while still securing our financial future. Of course, this works for us because we want to continue working in some capacity. Personally, I enjoy working. I enjoy giving back. I enjoy helping as much as possible. And my wife does too. We thrive off of opportunities to help people. If we didn't feel this way about work, it would likely tip the scales toward traditional fire instead. Well, maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking that maybe you want to give Coast Fire some more thought. Well, you need to calculate your Coast Fire number. Let's do that together. Let's do that. Step one, determine what it costs for you to live comfortably. 
Virtually all of us know how much money we make, right? Your salary, your last paycheck amount, your income from when you file taxes. Additionally, if you've been pursuing financial independence for any amount of time, you're probably already dialed into how much you save and invest. But where many of us struggle is actually the most important part of calculating your Coast Fire number. You need to know how much money you spend each year. How much money you spend each year. Identifying this number likely means that you need to take a deep dive into your spreadsheet, your spending tracker, or your favorite budget app like Mint or YNAB or Monarch Money, whatever you like to use to track. And if you're not tracking, this is a good opportunity to do so. After you identify how much you spent this past month, multiply it by 12 to give yourself a basic estimate. Step two, fine tune your targeted spending amount. You have an estimate of where you spent from step one, right? Now it is time to really assess that number to see how accurate it is. Ask yourself if you're looking at what it costs to survive or if you calculated an amount that you can live on comfortably. Those can be two very, very different things, right? If the month you looked at in step one included a no-spend challenge or really purposeful, frugal living, ask yourself if you see yourself repeating that forever. The opposite is also true. If the month in step one was an incredibly costly one where you maybe went on a vacation or a bunch of vacations or whatever, maybe your estimate is going to be on the high side. When we calculate our targeted spending amount, make sure to include household expenses and costs related to having kids as well. Since this is a family financial independence mission, we can't forget those, <laughs> those kids. Obviously, as they are off and gone from college and beyond, things might become a little easier expense-wise, but it's important for us to include that now. We also want to include things like vacations and giving generously. Basically, we want to make sure that our targeted annual spending amount allows us to spend money on all the things that matter to us as a family. So think about that. For us, that puts us somewhere between $60,000 and $80,000 per year based on our family makeup, our cost of living, where we live in Michigan, the fact that we paid off our mortgage already, and other many specific considerations specific to us. Your number, it might be lower. It could also be a lot higher depending on where you live and everything that makes up your family. The important thing is to identify a number that reflects a comfortable spending amount to you personally. Step three, decide when you intend to retire. After you figure out a best guess for what you'll spend each month, then fine-tune that amount. You need to figure out when your retirement will actually start. If you ask five people what the traditional retirement age is, you'll likely get five different answers. So ask yourself, do you plan to retire at 65? Maybe you want to hang in there until 67. Or perhaps you want to do the exact number, 59 and a half. Maybe that sounds good to you, right? Whatever number you decide upon, subtract your age from that number. You're going to need it for the next step. Step four, explore the power of compound interest. By identifying your target retirement age, you can then calculate the length of time your money has to grow with some very basic subtraction. Subtract your current age from your target retirement age. 
That's how long compound interest has to work its magic on your money. Use a compound interest calculator. I love the one from investor.gov. It's free, it's clean, it's great. And you can see how much your retirement accounts will be worth after the length of time you just calculated. For example, here's an example. Maybe you have $500,000 in all of your retirement accounts and you're 45 years old. If you have 15 more years until you plan to retire at 60, you can input these figures into a calculator to see what your accounts might actually be worth over time. Step five, use the 4% rule to see how close you actually are. The 4% rule is one way to estimate how much you can spend each year in retirement. Let's return to our scenario from earlier. Someone with $500,000 in their retirement accounts at 45 years old, will have over $1.37 million in their portfolio after 15 years or at 60 years old, assuming a 7% interest rate. Now, that accounts for inflation. So if you talk about the total market return of 10% and you minus out average inflation of about 3%, that gets you to about 7%. Now, again, these numbers are very particular. If you want to be more conservative, you could say something like 5% instead of that 7%. The 4% rule says that this individual can spend 4% of that total each year in retirement. So 4% of 1.37 million means that you could spend about $54,000 each year comfortably in retirement. If $54,000 is close to your comfortable spending amount and you fit into this example from step one and step two, congratulations, you're Coast Fire. It's time for a victory lap. <laughs> if not, you could do two things. Number one, extend your timeline to retirement. You don't have to retire, cease working at 59 and a half or 60 years old. You can keep going. That's okay. Part-time work, as, as somebody who's doing it right now, can be very comfortable. Or you can contribute more to your retirement until you hit your desired Coast Fire number. There are ways to do this. Step six, adjust to your comfort level. There are a few different areas of your Coast Fire number that you might consider tweaking based on the example that I shared and the numbers that I shared. You can adjust the interest rate you use to estimate how much your portfolio will be worth. For example, some people use an aggressive rate of return of about 10%. After all, that's the average return for the stock market, right? However, other people take a more cautious approach by putting in a 5% or 6% interest rate. Personally, we use 7% after considering what the stock market average returns are and including dividends reinvested and then adjusting for the average inflation rate. You may also end up adjusting the way you calculate how much you spend each year in retirement. While the 4% rule has long been the gold standard for the fire crowd, many people are more comfortable using 3.5% or 3% while others go to 5%. So, I mean, you, you got to adjust according to your situation and your feelings. This is just one more way that personal finance is personal. You want your Coast Fire calculations to reflect your risk tolerance. So make sure to adjust your numbers accordingly.
So maybe now you're asking yourself, what do I do after I'm Coast Fire, Andy? Well, this is one of the reasons why Coast Fire is so much more appealing than traditional fire. Coast Fire opens up a lot of options much sooner. You basically have two paths you can choose once you hit your Coast Fire number. The first option is to slow down on investing for retirement and use more of your money to enjoy life today or simply work fewer hours because you don't need as much money to live, right? Alternatively, you can simply choose to continue growing your wealth. There are many positives to this approach as well, like being able to give generously, make an impact in your community, or leave a legacy for your kids of generational wealth. Of course, many people find themselves doing sort of a combination of these two. That's where we are. After working so intensely to reach Coast Fire, you might take your foot off the gas for a year or two and really lean into relaxing. Then you might be ready to invest some more money into a small business, maybe look into real estate or do other things to grow your wealth now, like stashing money in a taxable brokerage account or opening a custodial account for your kids. The beauty of Coast Fire is that no matter which path you choose, your retirement nest egg is growing in the background without any additional contributions from you. In the end, Coast Fire is the financial freedom that our family wanted and needed. We no longer have to worry about saving for retirement, and that is a beautiful thing. Instead, we can focus on designing a lifestyle that suits us right now. If you're looking for flexibility and financial freedom without leaving the workforce entirely... Coast Fire might fit better into your family finances. You'll find yourself presented with more choices and more time to say yes to more of the things that you want to do, whether that's growing wealth through entrepreneurship or soaking up more time together as a family. Coast Fire could be the key to designing a life that you love. Well, enough from me, everyone. I want to hear from you. Are you on team Coast Fire or team traditional fire? How are you pursuing financial independence individually as a family in your own personal way? Please let me know by sharing this episode on social media and tagging me at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram or Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. Please, let's keep this conversation going. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. I had a chance to attend Economy recently. This is a conference that says financial independence is better with friends. And man, I could not agree more. I had a great time. I had a wonderful, wonderful time meeting like-minded people who were on a mission to find their own versions of financial independence. While the traditional fire path is often thought of as the only way to go by some, it was beautiful to see people of all ages showing us that personal finance is truly personal. I'm going to share a few of the conversations I had with people at the conference, at Economy, on the floor. While my aim was to ask them the same three questions, I deviated a little bit to keep things interesting. I hope you enjoy these chats. All right, so what is your name and where are you from? My name is Corey Bishop. I live in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside D.C. Awesome. So why are you at Economy this week? So I actually work for The Motley Fool, which is a financial advice company, and they're sponsoring the event. So there was an extra ticket, and I'm like, this sounded really fun. I I know nothing about fire, so I was like, this sounds like a great thing, opportunity to learn, great opportunity to meet people and hang out. Excellent. So you've been here for a couple of days now. What about financial independence has interest you? Knowing that you said that you're not necessarily pursuing financial independence or looking at it, what has piqued your interest so far that you've been here? The thing that's been most interesting to me is like, like for retirement, I've always everybody always talks about, well, what? How old do you want to be when you retire? Like the the age is like the number that people are working towards. But I find what I found really interesting about fire is the the financial independence number of like how much do you need to retire? So instead of thinking about like how old do I want to be like what do I need to, so there's a goal that you're shooting for from a, like a monetary standpoint so that's maybe that will be much earlier than than the age that people traditionally retire so figuring out that number figuring out a goal for myself because I 
been doing all the right things of putting money in my 401k sure. and Roth, but being a little more purposeful about it and maybe having a goal to shoot for that's not age is really interesting to me. Yeah, there's lots of different versions of FIRE or ways to pursue it. Have you heard anything or talked to anybody about ways that they're doing that's piqued your interest more? Yeah, like maybe figuring out side hustles and saving more, that kind of thing. I think most being being really aggressive about saving and investing, I think it's something I want to learn about more too because again, I just sort of haven't been real purposeful about it and kind of doing the basic things, but I, I think I could do a lot more. Cool. So if you, if you had to explain to somebody what financial independence meant to you, how would you explain that? I think financial independence to me means that you, to me, for me, would be ideals I wouldn't have to work. Like I, I had the option to to not have to work and flexibility to, to pursue what I want to do. So sometimes maybe that means I still would work, but it wouldn't be I wouldn't have to. So tell me your name and where you're from. My name is Kim. I'm from Austin, Texas. Awesome. Kim, do you have a platform or anything like that you'd like to promote, or are you here for information's sake? I'm a, here for information's sake, yeah. and I'm I'm dreaming about building a platform, and awesome. so trying to get some ideas and connections cool. right here. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Awesome. So my first question is, why are you interested in financial independence? I think that everybody here has a story of maybe emotional scarring around money as a kid. Like, I think that's a pretty common theme. And I think that we've all been drawn towards money for security in our own way. And then this movement sprung and everybody was like, oh, me too. And maybe there's some people who didn't start it on their own first and learned about the movement and they're like, I can do that? But I think that the movement calls to everybody because it provides a way of living life on your own terms and having that independence in what you do and how you spend your time. That's so eloquently put, I love that, thank you. And how or what is your eventual plan for building your path to financial independence? So I, like many people here, I grew up really poor and when I was in my 20s, I realized I didn't want to be poor anymore and my way out was to get a job as a firefighter. And firefighting is a pension career and you have to be there for 10 years before you're vested, at least where I work. And so I decided I'm going to do this for 10 years and I'm going to do everything I can to save and invest and that way when my time with firefighting is done, I'll be able to kind of live life on my own terms. And I'm, I'm near that point. That's and great. so it's really exciting. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So pension type. Pension. pension mm -hmm. And then whatever your path looks like after that. Wait, rental, so, rental real estate rental real as well. Estate. Okay. So okay, that's, great. for the last 10 years, it's been pension and real estate. Okay, great. And then I think next is starting kind of an online brand and I figuring out what I want to do for me. Well, your communication style and your eloquence will work really well for, for your communication brand. So Thank you very great. much. So last question. Since you've been working on real estate, working on your, your pension, and learning about all this different stuff, you've been paying attention to financial independence for a little while, your definition of about it. About a year. Yeah. I learned about this a year ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are doing what I've been doing, yes. and they've been doing it better, because yes. they've got a framework and a plan and a community, and I was like, well, shoot, I want to be part of that That's framework, cool. plan, and community. So since you've been learning about it for a year, has your, your personal definition of financial independence, has that changed over that time period? No, I don't I don't think that my plan or my strategy has changed at all, but the social connections have grown. And I think that's really been the difference for me is before I felt like an outlier and I was doing a thing that 
not many other people that I knew were doing. And now I'm like, oh, look at this. We're all in it together. And I really like the network that I'm a part of now. That's great. So community is a big part of your financial independence plan as well. I think for a lot of us it is. And then a plug for anyone who hasn't heard of it, Camp Phi is where a lot of us have met and come together. And just the relationships and friendships from that experience, from going to those events, have just really been strong. So, what is your name and where are you from? My name is Trey. I am from Alexandria, Virginia, but originally hailing from Rochester, New York. Awesome. Yep. Trey, thank you. Trey, why are you interested in financial independence? I think it's... We hear about money in the news all the time and everything like that, and there's always such an anxiety over money. People are always worried about stock and everything like that, and... I really wanted to change my relationship with money and all that. I'm the first one in my family to be born in the U.S. and all that. So everybody's like, save, 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 because you never know what's going to happen and all that. And it's like, all right, saving is cool and all, but what else? What else do I do with money? <laughs> and that's, that's really what I want to change and all that. So that's, that's really what, what got me more into FI. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. So, so then with that information, that interest, how are you investing for financial independence? Or what is your plan? I, right now I'm in the tech space and all that. So it's just like I know I'm early on in my career and all that. So right now I'm here to learn more, like, what different pots, you know, than the, you know, generic, oh, you know, become a landlord, like open like a thousand doors and all that. And yeah. it's just like, okay, that's that's a lot, but how do you manage that and all that? So one of the methods I saw that actually I'm getting a bit more interest in is actually syndication, mm-hmm. where it's just basically you, you know, just put up a bunch of money up front, like up front and all that. And, you know, whether it be like somebody investing in like a... 11 unit space and all that you only, you only put up money and all that as an initial investor and at AC you get a slice of the profit based on whoever well, how much you invest so I think I'm leaning more towards that because you know I want to free up the space in my head of like having to manage all of that and you know live I more it. I love it, it man yeah. that's great that's great okay so You've been interested in financial independence. You attended this conference last year, you said. Yep. How has your definition of financial independence changed over that time period, or has it changed? So I think it changed more so that it's definitely it's definitely more accessible than we think it is and all that. There's definitely... There's definitely a lot more paths and all that than, you know, a stereotypical, like, you know, stock, you know, investing in stocks and all that or crypto and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's just like, you know, there's things that are very good for the moment and everything. And, you know, we saw some different changes in some of these big banks that also allowed you to liquidate your crypto a lot easier. So it's made me more aware that, hey, all right, there's definitely things you can do, different methods of FI and all that that are great for your moment and for you. So it's like, I think I got to find more, get more knowledge on what works for me in my situation and in my, especially in my field. Can you tell me your name and where you're from? Michael. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Awesome. Michael. So... Why are you interested in financial independence? So, when I was a kid, I uh, was the kid that would like put his money in a cash register. Like I've always been interested in money, and whenever I met my wife, she saved a lot more money than I did. So she saved 
like 10% of her retirement account. She saved like 15% of her after-tax money. And I'm like, well, I should be doing this too. So it got me down the path of learning how to do it. And we eventually got married and combined our income. So we lived off of one income and then we started making more money. And it came from a spot of we're interested about money. We wanted to save money. But also was we got more into it just about time and like buying our time back. And I think about that a lot of like, I'm not necessarily saving, I'm buying my future time. I love that. I love that. Buying your future time. So you started to talk about investing. How are you saving or how are you saving and investing for financial independence? Is it is it through investment solo or is it, I know you talked about real estate too. Yep. Tell, tell me about those avenues. Yeah, so we're somewhat weird in the field that we hit our financial independence number and then we bought real estate. So it wasn't necessarily a part of acquiring Phi. It was more about a diversification strategy. So we bought two fourplexes last year, so eight units in total. But we actually saved our money ahead of time in, in 401k, Roth, brokerage account, HSA, all the all the normal stuff. Awesome. So having been interested in financial independence for a while or since you and your, your wife got together and kind of formulating your plan, how has your definition of financial independence changed over that time frame? Or, or has it? It definitely has. I... Early on, I think I was much more interested in the, the RE of the fire, and now I'm much more interested in the FI part of it because I've realized I have lots of great options in my life now. Like, any choice that involves money or time, like, I only have good options. I, I'm able to control it completely. And I kind of like working, and I'm starting a new job here in a little bit, and I don't need the job, and I'll make a lot of money, and I, but I like to lead teams, and I like to do the work. So it was... It's definitely shifted from a, I'm going to get out of working and that's going to be the spot I'm going to have all this time to all of my options are good and that's the thing that's been most important. I love it. And, and last question, knowing that you're a dad, knowing what you know now as an investor, how does that frame how you teach your kids about financial independence? My son asked me last week, about coupons. Why do we use coupons? And like, why did you look for a coupon this thing we bought? So I learned a lot. We had a, it's a lower middle class upbringing. So money wasn't, like we always had food on the table, wasn't that, but money was tight. So I remember going through, like I remember seeing my dad's paychecks and it's like, okay, well our mortgage is this and things. So making sure they're involved in the process and understand what money is and like why you work and those kind of things. And then I kind of get the impression that kids have the personalities that they have when they're born. They just kind of are who they are and giving them the knowledge and then whatever he does with that, then that's what he'll do with it. And then our daughter's only six months old, so we're not, we're not sure about her yet, but we like her so far. Please tell me your name and where you're from. My name is Deja Newton and I am from the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Excellent. So Deja, why are you interested in financial independence? Mostly because it's something I have not seen before. It's, it's something I, you know, aspire to reach myself to, you know, continue generationally. Yeah, growing up, I saw my parents struggle, everything money-related. They had a very, let's say, toxic relationship with it. So I didn't learn any other way until maybe in college when my mom gave me the option to be introduced to, you know, Dave Ramsey and, you know, the introduction into, you know, how to save and pay off debt and all that, because coming out of college, there was plenty of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just kind of expanding knowledge of, of all of that so I can, you know, 
be different than what I've learned. Excellent. Yeah, I, I fell into Dave initially, too, and that was sort of yeah. my, my well, <laughs> Susie and then Dave was, were my gateways, and then they kind of opened the door here, Definitely too. Definitely so, a yeah. gateway. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so knowing what you know now and what you've heard at the conference so far, how are you thinking about pursuing financial independence, or what are you interested in so far? So far, see, it just came from a session on credit card travel hacking. That yeah. That's a new concept. It was a lot of information to take in, but essentially just figuring out ways, you know, to make the money work for me or make my money work for me because— I guess before, you know, all the exposure to this, it was owning property and how to invest in stocks and stuff. And I've, I've tried to tackle that, and that's its own beast <laughs> to mm. handle. Next question is, now, you've been here, you've heard different presentations. Maybe you had a, an idea of what financial independence was mm-hmm. before you came or what this wacky fire crowd is, right? How has your definition of financial independence changed since you've been here so far? I think had an, I always had an understanding of it coming into this and probably the tier before financial independence just being like financial freedom. That, to me, not felt more attainable, but like having reached a level of financial freedom and just kind of, you know, looking at that like, okay, so how do I get to this next big, to the top of the pyramid to financial freedom? There's just still trying to, you know, Taking all the resources and things to like understand the different avenues, like you were saying, it's going to look different for everybody. You, you take the nuggets of information that you get and you make it work for, you know, how you want your life to work. And I think that's a big part of what I'm trying to gather. Gather all the nuggets so I can, you know, make it work for me. What is your name and where are you from? Amberly Grant. I live in Denver, Colorado, but I'm from Ottawa, Canada. Awesome. Do you have a platform or anything like that right now you want to promote? Amberly Grant Finance. Go to amberlygrant.com and you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and also join my FinTalks, which is a community that we speak on a financial topic every Tuesday at 5.30 Mountain Time. We've been doing it for three years. We have 30 to 50 people and it's amazing. Excellent. Awesome. So why are you interested or pursuing financial independence? I have a scarcity mindset when it comes to finances. I had a a lot of scarcity as a child of where we're going to live, what are we going to do to pay for things, and so I had decided when I was really young that I was going to be a millionaire and never have to deal with this, and it turns out that it's not just about the money, but it's about mindset, and so financial independence has really brought me to have the security financially, and I have to work on my thoughts when it comes to it. Got it. I love that. That's that's a great reason. And now, how are you pursuing financial independence? Well, I have a wonderful job that I absolutely love. I'm a senior project manager for a tech company, and the the way that I'm actually FI is real estate. Awesome. So, yeah, so you're doing it and have, have done it through real estate. Excellent. So, yeah. knowing that you've been interested in financial independence for a while, how has your definition changed with regard to what financial independence means to you? You know, I feel like I had a pretty sober definition of it since the beginning. Financial independence to me really is freedom. So there's like fire, the retire early. I actually love working or contributing, whether that's, you know, through my community, FinTalks or Ambly Grant Finance. I can see myself doing that for a really long time. So continuing to quote unquote work, but the ability to take control of my time, maybe leave a job that I don't like, which thankfully I love my job. That to me is what 
like phi is for me. And then for me, I just had a baby, so spending as much time as possible with our child. And my partner doesn't have to work now because of my real estate. He's phi. I am not now. And it's really nice that he gets to spend that time with him. Okay, can you tell me your name, where you're from, and what your platform is? Sure, Diana Merriam. I live in Cincinnati, and I'm the founder of the Economy Conference. Awesome, and I'm loving your Economy Conference. Thank, Thank you very you. much for hosting it and putting on this community that you have here. So, let me ask you a question. Why are you personally interested in financial independence? Mm. For me, it's really about creating options and I keep changing what I want. Yes. Right? That's okay. So it's That's like, okay. yeah. you know, eight years ago when I was first pursuing Phi, I had a plan to retire by 40. Like, that's what I thought I was going to do. And throughout the journey, then I discover entrepreneurship and becoming self-employed. And I mean, my original goal is that I wanted full autonomy over my time. And then I discovered a way to gain full autonomy over my time without actually being financially independent. I almost feel like I like cheated the system. And, and now I have the resources to change my mind again if I want. Yeah. Absolutely. So talk about that path a little bit then. How have you found your own version of financial independence? I think that it, it's kind of been driven on needing to make adjustments based on changing circumstances. So when I first came up with my plan, I wasn't in a relationship. I really enjoyed my job. I thought I would work. I, I mean, I was with my last employer for nine years. I thought I was going to be there until 40. And then I got a new boss and the dynamic completely changed. And it became clear that I was no longer valued there. And so I kind of had come to the conclusion that, so even though I'm not financially independent, I'm financially secure enough to take some risks. And so I decided to quit my job a couple years ago. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. That's very cool. So somebody who's interested in financial independence or FIRE or the community, would you say that change is a part of being a part of the FIRE community now that you've gone through what you've gone through? Yeah, I think that the only thing certain in life is that everything is uncertain and it changes, right? So if you have resources to better help you navigate that, like how could that possibly be a bad thing? I, what I see in the community is, you know, a, a lot of people feel like if I get the numbers right and I pick the perfect phi number and I, that that's going to give me some kind of sense of security and that it makes things certain if I have enough money. But that's not necessarily true, right? Life is just uncertain. Early retirement is an optimistic act, right? Because in the grand scheme of things, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And all of your modeling is based on a lot of assumptions that you don't know if they're necessarily true. So... Yes, we want financial stability and financial security, but we also need to be able to be flexible and adaptable like we learned today. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I would like to ask you for a favor. That is to share your favorite Marriage, Kids, and Money episode on social media and tag your friend Andy at Marriage, Kids, and Money on Instagram or Facebook or Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. 
to encourage you to share your favorite episode. We are giving away some merch, man. Carpe Diem t-shirts, MKM mugs, Carpe Diem hoodies. That's I like that one. I like wearing my Be The Change hoodie and my Carpe Diem hoodie because it's comfortable. Anyway, we're talking about positive work and positive good news that you could share on this show, and that would mean a lot to me. Thank you very much. So since we're talking about positive work and good news, we are highlighting some top news stories, and one of them that just came out this past month, really, is entitled, Minnesota Becomes Fourth State to Offer Universal Free School Meals. And to help me read this article and share the good word once again, I am happy to be joined by my son, Calvin Hill. Calvin Hill, how are you doing, son? Good. Oh, man. Thank you so much for doing the good word with me. It means a lot. I've heard a lot from people. I just went to this conference and they say, I love when you do the show with your kids. I think it's so cool. So I had a couple people come up to me who listen to the show and they complimented all the great work you do. What do you think about that? Yay! Yeah, isn't that nice to help people and give them some entertainment and a good word? So let's talk about this good word. Ready? You ready to read the story with me? It's a pretty good story. Yeah! Starting this fall, students at Minnesota schools will get free meals regardless of their ability to pay. A bill signed into law Friday, March 17th, by Governor Tim Waltz provides more than $800 million in funding for school lunches and breakfasts over the next four years. Wow, a free meals program was one of the top priorities this session for the governor and Democratic farmer labor lawmakers who say they want to craft a state budget that will prioritize education and families. Surrounded by students and supporters of the measure in the cafeteria at Webster Elementary School in Minneapolis on Friday, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan said providing meals will give students without access to enough food at home a better shot at succeeding in school. For far too many of our young people, the school cafeteria has been a place of shame and stigma. She said before Walt signed the bill into law. Our students with lunch debts are students who skipped meals. Hunger is often invisible. It looks like distraction or tiredness or disinterest. It can be easy to miss the students who are falling behind because they're trying to learn on an empty stomach. About one-third of Minnesota's more than 800,000 public school students qualify for free or reduced-price lunches, according to the Department of Education. They estimate 275,000 students. The Hunger Free Schools Coalition, which includes Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, and Food Bank Second Harvest Heartland, estimates that one out of every six Minnesota children doesn't have consistent access to nutritious food. One out of six. Minnesota is the fourth state to create a free school lunch program, Walt said. Other states, such as California and Maine, have universal lunch programs, and Colorado voters in November approved a new tax on its wealthiest 
residents to create a free school lunch program. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for reading that one with me, Calvin. This is something that's very important. I know that you and I have talked about kids being hungry in the past and that kind of not being fair, right? So now hearing this, one out of six kids. So let's think about that. Let's say you're at school, right? And it's you and five of your other buddies. One out of those six people doesn't have food enough to eat, to feel nutritious and healthy and ready for their day. That sounds sad, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. What do you what do you think about that? We can give them some of our leftover snacks or something. Yeah. Like that. You think you would do that for a friend that needed some food? Yeah. That's great. Well, this is pretty much what the governor and everybody in Minnesota is doing. They're giving the leftover snacks by contributing more money to help people so they can eat. Did you know that in our state of Michigan, there are 297,000 kids that go hungry every day, according to Feeding America. 297,000. 297,000. Yeah, so it's one out of every seven in our state. So do you think that they should do a program like this in Michigan, where kids get free breakfast and free lunch every day at school? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Because last year, they had us have free lunch, and this year... The lunches are $3 each day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they did that during COVID because they wanted to help people who maybe weren't getting fed at home. So keeping that going would be nice, right? And Zoe, Mm -hmm. um, remember when she had negative like $3? That shouldn't even be a thing. I know. Yeah, we had the negative $3 because we forgot to fill up our school balance one day. What did they say? I forgot. They they gave her, they still gave her the food, but I think that she felt bad about it and maybe felt a little bit of shamed or something like that because she had a negative balance on it. So no, but because um her friend she 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 was paying for it. Oh, she bought some stuff for her friend too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to feel bad. Like you don't want to walk up there and being like, oh, you don't have enough money to get food today, right? That would make you feel sad. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what the governor and everybody in Minnesota they're trying to solve. So I had an idea. Since you and I seem to both like this idea, do you think we should write to our governor, Governor Whitmer in Michigan, and say, hey, we see what they did in Minnesota. You should do that here in Michigan. What do you think of that idea? Yeah. Yeah? Do you want to do that over spring break with me? Yeah. Okay. That could be fun. We'll write her a letter and we'll say, hey, we like this universal lunches program. Let's do it in Michigan. Then you don't have to check how much you have on your balance. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's do that. Awesome. Well, thanks for reading this story with me, buddy. Let's do the shout out of the month outside of writing to the governor. Maybe we should give uh, to Feeding America, too. What do you think? You should do that with our give money? Yeah. You want to do the big give with me soon? Yeah. Awesome. That could be fun. We'll get a milkshake. What kind of milkshake do you want to have? Mint chocolate Mint chocolate chip. chip. Giving is always easier with mint chocolate chip, right? Yeah. (laughs) All right, Calvin. Since the last good word, we received four social shout outs. So can you ask our Google to pick a number between one and four? Hey, Google, pick a number between one and four. Here's a random number, two. All right. Our second social shout out comes in from Lawrence Delva Gonzalez. He's also the host of the Financial Grio podcast. You guys should check that out. He shared an episode called Mortgage Free Five Years Later that we did. And that's one where I talked about 
where we became mortgage-free and was it worth it or not? So thanks for sharing that, Lawrence. And here's what he had to say. Calvin, can you read this? With family, every action is worth it. Absolutely, Lawrence. I could not agree more. Thank you so much for contributing, sharing this episode. Actually, you're going to see Lawrence on this podcast very soon, and he's actually been a guest in the past as well. So, Lawrence, thank you so much for the shout out. I'm going to DM you with an offer of our merchandise at the Marriage, Kids, and Money store, t-shirts, sweaters, sweatshirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, you name it. It's yours, man. Whatever you, Whatever you want on there. And if you want to check out our store, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash store where you can check out this stuff as well. And if you want Calvin to read your social shout out, all you got to do is find your favorite episode of Marriage, Kids, and Money and share it on social media, whichever social media platform you like to use. So that's Facebook, Instagram, and then tag us at Marriage, Kids, and Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn. That way we can read this and share your social shout out and we can keep doing the good word. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, my son Calvin is going to end the show with a quote today from Lao Tzu. Watch your thoughts. They may become words. Watch your words. They may become actions. Watch your actions. They may become habits. Watch your habits. They may become character. Watch your character. It becomes your destiny. I love it. Good stuff. Yes. All of your actions, all of your thoughts, they turn into reality. So here's to creating a life you are proud of, everybody. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.